I'm Steve Schwartz, founder of Pro Influence, and you're listening to Startup Spotlight, a podcast series featuring new consumer-based startup companies and their passionate founders. Welcome to Startup Spotlight, episode number 10. Today we're showcasing The Relish, a sports media startup in the Bay Area. They're using storytelling to create unique sports content for female fans. Joining us now from San Francisco is Ashley Wellington Fahey, founder and CEO of The Relish. Hi, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining us on Startup Spotlight. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, we met a couple of months ago in St. Louis at a Stadia Ventures event. And since then, you know, I've been really anxious to speak with you because your approach to sports content has really resonated with my wife and other female sports fans I know. To start, can you please describe The Relish and why you originally came up with the concept? Yeah, The Relish is a sports video network for female fans. And a big problem I was facing myself as a fan and have been for a very long time was this disconnection in the marketplace. Once I left the game or stopped watching the game, I never really felt like there was any connective tissue between me and the sports that I care about. So for me, as just a fan... I really felt like there was an opportunity to create something that connected more to the female fan audience that doesn't feel totally well served on, you know, other sports media platforms like maybe ESPN or Bleacher Report or Barstool that really connects to this millennial male fan and sort of feeling like there just wasn't anything out there for me that was connected. So that was sort of a, a catalyst for wanting to start a brand like The Relish. But also on the business side of things, I had started my career in sports on the sponsorship side. And I had an interesting you know, lens inside of the sports industry and how the female fan audience was oftentimes thought of or discussed inside of these meetings. And I just, I felt like it was always it's just always either been a box that was checked or just sort of a thing pushed off to the side. You know, as a fan and as a woman, I know that we're very much more nuanced than the way we were being approached as a fan base. So having this desire to change that, having a desire to start my own company, I kind of took all of those things to heart while coming up with the concept for The Relish. Well, Ashley, you mentioned earlier some of the more traditional sports media outlets like ESPN. Is The Relish meant to be a substitute or a complement for those outlets like ESPN? I think that we really are more of a complement to a lot of these other sports media brands out there. I think what The Relish offers is a deeper connection into the female fan base. And, you know, ideally, like we create the place where people go to connect into the female fan and put their brand in front of them. So instead, we're trying to sort of build that community of female fans around these other connective moments within sports and then hopefully be a great partner to some of these other sports media companies that exist out there today. Tell us a fun story about your startup journey so far with The Relish. Oh, yeah. There's, gosh, there's so many fun stories, scary stories, crazy stories to tell. You know, it was exciting for us when we very, very first launched and we're still very young. But in the beginning, you're bootstrapping your company, you're working crazy hours, you're just trying to get people engaged. And the good news is we were able to get the attention of really interesting, you know, high level people from the NFL and MLB and the NBA and all of these 
great leagues that we all follow. And I'll never forget, I quit my job. I didn't have the funds to like go work from a co-working space to have a private conversation. I live in a loft. I had to like take these important meetings from the bathroom. And that was like, (laughs) that was like what I was, how I was running my company. It was like taking important calls with the CMO of, of the NBA and like being in the bathroom while I'm doing it. And it's like, wow, this is really my office right now. And you know, those are those like really humble moments from the beginning to be like, wow, I quit my job in a career that was like on a high word trajectory. And I don't make any money now and I'm working from my house and I'm taking calls from the bathroom. Now we have an office, luckily, and we take meetings from a place with, you know, it's a little more respectable. And, you know, we also have like the fun stories of the NFL invited us out to the Super Bowl last year to be part of the Women's Summit. And we got to film some great content, but we were also, we were still bootstrapped. We hadn't, we weren't funded yet. And it was so exhilarating to be there, but you know, we, we couldn't afford to be right there in the thick of it. So we like had to rent a car and drive an hour and a half away every day just to like make that work. And there were three of us sharing a really cheap Airbnb an hour and a half away and like sleeping on the couch and just like all these things that maybe if, if you just saw the video we produced, you'd be like, whoa, the relish is doing these cool things and going to the Super Bowl and they're like in it with ESPN, right? We're getting in our car, driving an hour and a half and we're trying to park the car to get our media credentials while the police usher us out because we can't really afford parking. You know, it's like all these right. crazy stories of just trying to make it work and we've been making it work. Outstanding. Those are great stories. And it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences to this point. Is there one best practice or best piece of advice that you would have for other early stage entrepreneurs? You know, the best advice I have just that has been so valuable to me. And it's, it's something that I kind of read. And while I was researching, like how to start literally like Googled how to start a startup, (laughs) you know, that that early of um, the days where it's like, how do you even do this? But I'd read somewhere, you know, that getting advisors is important. And that's not advice that you see everywhere. But I mean, I think it's a known thing. And that has been so valuable, because that was something I did do very early on from the very beginning. As soon as I was like, I'm going to do this, I went out, looked into my network. I got on LinkedIn, I thought about like, what are my weaknesses? And who are the kind of people that I need to build around me that I can literally lean on for advice. You have to sell them through on your idea. You have to make it clear what the purpose is of bringing them on board. But I did do that early and it was super valuable for a couple of reasons. A, they're people that you can lean on for advice. And B, when you do go out to fundraise and you barely have a team built, those are the people that like investors look to to say like, okay, does she surround herself with the right thought leaders or people? Who does she have supporting her? Who, sh- who can she lean on when things are hard or when she needs something? And that actually carried me a lot, especially in the beginning and continues to do so today. And how do you find good advisors? I and mean, what was your experience in, in finding those people? Well, so I'll say two things. One, just when you think about what an advisor needs to do and be for you, I mapped that out. Like I thought of it like a puzzle. If I am the CEO and founder and I'm like the visionary and I'm the person going out to fundraise and selling who, what are my weak spots? What don't I know? And what do I have a grasp of that I could get by with for now? So I sort of mapped out like I'm not a big finance person. I am as good at sales and partnerships, but business strategy and development, there's like a weakness there in terms of like long-term business strategy and how to actually map that into an overall plan. Okay, I need somebody that can kind of help me there. So 
really just thinking about what I don't know and where I need support and then what I know but could use more senior advice on. And that was how I thought about the mapping and putting the puzzle together. And then it went down to tapping my own network, but also mm-hmm. just like getting on LinkedIn and looking at people's backgrounds and checking Crunchbase and doing a lot of cross-referencing. And then figuring out, am I connected to somebody who is connected to them that would make an introduction? And if the answer is no, then the last step is I just cold outreach people. And all three of those strategies work. Using my own one-to-one relationship, using like a once removed relationship to get an introduction, and then using just a totally cold email and selling through sort of the vision and getting a meeting. And sometimes those meetings didn't result in someone becoming an advisor or later in people becoming investors, but but networking is really important for everything you do, whether it's an advisor, an investor, getting in front of businesses for sales, like that's really important and for recruiting. And I'm sure a lot of those people you met with have become advocates. Yes, they absolutely have. And you talked a lot about raising capital and fundraising. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And are you currently fundraising? Yeah. So we raised what is now known as a pre-seed round. It's kind of a a newer round into the investor world. It's sort of that in-between space from friends and family angels to seed. So we raised a pre-seed round back in March, and that was enough to just show a proof of concept for our original video programming and to build an addressable audience. And now we are ready to expand that overall footprint and start building a platform that is for the relish in addition to the things we've been doing currently. And so we are raising a seed round now, have been talking to a lot of investors out here in the Valley, of course, New York and LA. We've closed a portion of that round, but are still actively fundraising to close up the rest and then have a really exciting 2018. Ashley, the Relish is available on a couple of different platforms, at least the content is. You know, where would people who want to check out the Relish go to? Yeah, right now, our primary place we put most of our video programming is with our launch partner, Facebook. So you can currently find us at facebook.com backslash the Relish Sports. That's where a lot of our original video programs are. Uh, we also do a newsletter twice a week. You can go to the Relish.com to sign up for the newsletter. And we've also been expanding our Instagram presence. It's a lot of fun. That's a great place to go to get some of our newsy stuff and just some of our, you know, more lifestyle-centric imagery and that kind of thing. So again, the social handle on Instagram is also the Relish Sports. So when consumers go to Facebook or they go to Instagram or go to the website to sign up for the newsletter, what's the one thing you'd like them to remember about the Relish when they see it online? I would say the one thing I hope people get from the relish is that what it means to be a fan doesn't always look and feel the same for every single person. And fandom can mean a lot of different things. So I hope that when people come to the relish, they know that this is a place where they can be the fan they are. They can be unapologetic about wanting to get a little bit of information about what happened in game or the story beyond the game. And also just as interested in fashion and sports or sports and travel or, you know, how to put your hair into a baseball cap and also just as interested in the story that we're going to share about an athlete or about something that happened inside of the game or about a specific fan. That's the point of the relish is that you can be unapologetically who you are as a female fan. No one here is going to think less of you just because you have like vast amount of interest in sports and the connective moments around sports. So then Ashley, you know, after people subscribe to the newsletter and they start following you on Facebook and Instagram, uh, what do you want them to do with that content? Yeah, that's a great question. My biggest hope is if somebody sees a story they like or a, a moment 
in the content that we're posting that is connective to them, that they'll share it and that they'll talk about it. Because one of the things we know is problematic for female fans is there's this fear to have conversation about sports because they're afraid either that they're not going to be taken seriously or they're going to be trolled. And the whole point of The Relish is that we're a brand that does take you seriously for exactly like who you are as a fan. So this is the place you should feel safe having a conversation or saying your opinion or sharing a piece of content out to your network because it's connective to you. So that's my biggest hope is that people will engage with us, have a conversation with us, challenge us if they want to challenge us. Like we love that. We love when women speak up and talk about the things they care about around sports and know that this is the safe place to do that. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on Startup Spotlight. It's been really informative and great to have you on the show. Best of luck to you and the relish in the future. Thank you so much, Steve. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And that'll wrap things up for this episode of Startup Spotlight. I'm Steve Schwartz of Pro Influence. Please give us your feedback and share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. You can find all Startup Spotlight episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening and be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon. 